Welcome to Checkup Chat with Evergreen Health. I'm Caitlin White. According to the American Diabetes Association, 1.5 million Americans are diagnosed with diabetes each year. I'm joined today by Dr. Andrew Thurman, a physician at Evergreen Health Primary Care in Monroe, to discuss diabetes prevention and management. Dr. Thurman, it is so great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So before we jump into managing diabetes, could you provide us with some background information? A simple question at first, just what is diabetes? Diabetes is essentially it's blood sugars that are too high, you know, in in the body. It happens most commonly because of inadequate uh, release of insulin from the pancreas. So the low insulin helps to keep blood sugar levels down and and in the normal range. Also, what happens is if we get overweight or obese, the fat cells don't respond as well to the insulin that we're making. And so they get more resistant to the insulin that the body is producing. And so you could still have some insulin circulating in in your body and it's just not as effective because the cells are larger and they don't respond as as well to the uh, insulin that's still there. For a combination of those reasons, the blood sugars uh, are increased in the going around in the blood, basically, which can cause many problems, you know, in in several organ systems over time. And that includes developing plaque in the in the large arteries, which can increase chances for heart attack and stroke. And in other organs, it can also cause issues with in the retina of the eye, it can cause some damage in the vessels in the in the eyes, which can lead to vision loss or you know problems with the vision. It can cause kidney issues as well as nerve problems, loss of sensation in the feet, and many other things. So it's not it's not a nice disease process, but there are definitely good options to help keep it under control. So then, a follow up to that: What is the difference between type one and type two diabetes? Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune issue where the the body attacks the pancreas itself. And so there's not enough insulin being produced by the pancreas. And we think that this typically happens after like a viral infection. And we're not really sure why it happens, but it, it just seems to be kind of the body's immune response or reaction to to a viral infection. And Again, that greatly reduces the production of the body's own insulin. And so with less insulin, the sugars run higher and can sometimes get out of control and and people can sometimes get quite ill. And so they often feel pretty crummy and and often present to their doctor or the emergency room, you know, weight loss and hunger and, and thirst and sometimes dizziness and everything. And that typically happens most commonly in childhood or you know adolescence. But we we do see some type one diabetes also starting or you know being found in in adulthood. So it's it's not impossible for adults to have type one diabetes, but more common in children and, and adolescents. And the main treatment for type one, since they're not producing enough insulin, is actually to start insulin for them. They they must have insulin to to keep the sugars down. And then type 2 diabetes is characterized, you know, as we were discussing earlier, that's the inadequate insulin production. You know, usually there's some insulin production, but not quite enough. And then also the cells being resistant, relatively resistant to the insulin that is being produced. So the sugars, again, kind of get higher in that instance. And we see that more often in typically it's in adulthood, although, again, there could be some 
childhood or adolescent type 2 diabetes, most often that's related to, I mean, there's a genetic component certainly with that. Tends to run in families. Certain populations have higher risks for type 2 diabetes, and that's Native American, Latino populations tend to have higher incidence of, of type 2. And then there's some lifestyle issues as well that, that put our risk for type 2 diabetes higher, and that's you know being less active, being overweight. As we age, we, we need, to, need to keep active and try and keep our weight down to reduce our chances of developing type 2 diabetes. So what are the risk factors for diabetes? Can it be prevented even though it hits so many demographics? Yes. So it can, it can be prevented. And, you know, I, I kind of touched on some of the risk factors, you know, again, genetic, race. One of the important things is, you know, as, as a family physician, seeing people for their, their annual physical, it's a great opportunity for us as providers to screen for diabetes and other health issues, catch people up on their immunizations, that kind of thing. That's one of the things where, you know, early recognition, particularly of like pre-diabetes, which is, again, elevated sugars, but not, not to the diabetic range. If we find someone with pre-diabetes, we can try and get more aggressive in terms of getting them to exercise, watch the diet, monitor their other health parameters like blood pressure and cholesterol and that kind of thing. So knowing all these risk factors, how is diabetes then detected and diagnosed? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of people don't don't even realize that they have it. You know, they type one diabetes, typically they can they can be pretty sick when they're diagnosed because they tend to get dehydrated, their blood sugars are very high, sometimes, you know, over four hundred, five hundred, six hundred sugar levels. And so the body kind of gets very dehydrated and often they're vomiting or really feeling ill and, and, you know, obviously something is wrong and they go to urgent care, their doctor's office, the emergency room someplace. And, you know, we see that their sugar is 600, you know, that's, that's a pretty easy way to diagnose it. And that's more common with type one diabetes with type two diabetes. It's oftentimes happens gradually over time. And so, you know, there's not a sudden change with from your sugars running normally in low 100s to the two or 300 range that we often see in diabetes. So yeah, a lot of people I see, you know, yeah, they mean maybe mom or dad had diabetes or a sibling might have it, but they didn't really have any symptoms. And we check their blood work on a, you know, on a routine exam and lo and behold, they're, they're in the diabetes range. And so then, you know, we need to talk further about treatments and what they can do to reduce their risk of having complications from the diabetes. So the the most effective way to screen and, and detect diabetes early is to, you know, get in and, and get, get the blood tests going, get the hemoglobin A1C, get the fasting blood sugar. There's glucose tolerance tests that we can do as well. Go see your primary care provider, get a physical if you've not had one recently, get some blood work, you know, again, as well as checking your blood pressure, checking your making sure you're up to date on your other screenings, mammograms, colonoscopies, pap smears, all that stuff is kind of what we do during a preventive healthcare exam or a physical. Let's talk about pre-diabetes for a moment. Can someone turn that around? Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, really where we try and focus, you know, a lot of our efforts into helping people prevent from, to turn that around, you know, to get rid of the pre-diabetes, go back to normal, you know, blood sugar. Oftentimes we'll have people meet with a dietitian or nutritionist to determine foods that are best to do that. And typically it's trying to avoid sugar intense foods, you know, the junk foods, you know, the chips and the sweets, 
particularly around the holidays, this is a, a challenging time for <laughs> that. But, um, trying to eat more natural foods, so fruits and vegetables, lean proteins like fish, chicken, that kind of thing, and less of the highly processed foods and the sugary foods, you know, the, the again, the sweets and, and salty snacks and that kind of thing. And then exercise is another key component to that. So it's dietary and exercise are kind of the main, main weapons that we have, main, main ways to reduce risk. And exercise is recommended to be 150 minutes per week and at least four days a week. And if someone can do seven days a week for 20 minutes or 25 minutes, that's awesome. Goal is 150 minutes per week. And then working on the, um, on the diet as well. Those are kind of the key, the key ways to prevent prediabetes from turning into diabetes and also turning around prediabetes back to normal. Yeah. Well, even if you don't have prediabetes, are there any other things for people to keep in mind in general, just to lower their risk? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the common sense stuff that we've always heard and, and known all along. So don't smoke, minimize alcohol intake, drink responsibly if you're going to drink. Generally, that's, you know, two drinks or less per day. Staying active. So, you know, again, goal of 150 minutes of exercise. That's kind of for everybody. I mean, I think that's definitely a, a good thing to shoot for, you know, again, at least four days a week, total of 150 minutes of aerobic exercise each week. And then again, the the dietary recommendations for prediabetes and diabetes, I think applies to the general population as well. I mean, it's a good idea. More fruits and vegetables, less processed foods, less you know sugary beverages are a huge issue. And I tell patients, you don't need to eliminate sugar. You just need to moderate it. Allow yourself to indulge, you know, have a small piece of pie, that kind of thing, especially during the holidays this time of year. Have the occasional mocha flavored coffee beverage, tea with sugar, whatever. Just don't make it a regular practice. Don't do it every day, but make it kind of a splurge rather than a regular part of your diet and that kind of a thing. And then, you know, the nutritionists talk about kind of eating around the peripheral parts of the grocery stores. So the, the produce and the dairy and on the outsides. And then as you get more into the internal part of the grocery store with, you know, the frozen foods and the ice cream, processed snacks and chips and that kind of stuff. That's that's the stuff you want to do a little bit, quite a bit less of, and do more of the the nuts and the you know the salads and the other vegetables and, and lean proteins, like we discussed. Now, receiving a diabetes diagnosis can be scary, but there are ways to live a healthy lifestyle while managing it. So, doctor, how is diabetes treated? Is there any medication to help regulate your blood sugar? Yeah, there's lots of good options these days for managing diabetes and, and keeping people under good control with their with their blood sugars. I've seen a lot of patients in the past who, oh yeah, my mom or my grandmother, my grandfather had diabetes. They had to get their foot amputated. You know, they, they really didn't do well with insulin, these kind of things. And that really is more of a years ago sort of an issue. We have really good options to treat diabetes these days. One of the mainstays and first medications that we reach for is something called metformin. And it's a pill and it helps to reduce blood sugar by helping the liver to reduce sugar output, as well as it helps to sensitize our cells to the insulin that we're still making. And it usually is pretty weight neutral, which is nice. Um, you know, we don't want to try to avoid medicines that, you know, will cause people to gain weight, but insulin, you know, is an option down the line as well. And that, you know, some people need to have that, but there's over the last few years, there've been some exciting new medications that have come out that really help people 
get better control of their sugars as well as uh, often help with weight loss. And we always talk about the lifestyle issues as well. The diet and exercise are kind of key components as well. There's also kind of exciting new ways to check your blood sugar without having to poke your finger every day. So there's new, I think there's at least two new devices on the market where basically you kind of they have a little needle and you push them into your upper arm or your abdomen and they usually stay on for two weeks and they can tell you your blood sugar at any time, you know, either with your smartphone or with a little reader. They're pretty amazing. So because, you know, some people who have pretty variable up and down blood sugars have to be testing their blood sugar quite a bit. And then we're having to stick their finger and, you know, put the drop of blood on a test strip and you know, see what their sugar was doing. These devices give much more information and, you know, show graphically where your sugars are. And it really helps us as providers as well to determine what medication might be helpful or when, when are the issues, when are your blood sugars running really high, when are they low, that kind of thing. So we can kind of tailor the treatments to what your actual situation is. So they've been game changers in that respect. And we touched on these a bit already, healthy lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, but just how do these play a role in the management of diabetes? They're really important to try and maintain maintain those because once someone is diagnosed, again, and, and a lot of people are, for good reason, you know, are upset or, you know, they often get depressed when they have diabetes. They feel like a failure and that kind of thing. We don't get into the blame game or, you know, we don't want them to feel that way. We Basically, what we want them to do is address the issue that they have. And sometimes it is because of genetic or, you know, cultural, ethnic issues that they're at higher risk for it. You're not a bad person because you have diabetes. What we want to do is try and minimize the risks and the the health issues that it will affect in the future and try and get your blood sugars under under great control by lifestyle modifications, you know, which is the diet and, and exercise piece and then doing some medications if needed to bring the blood sugars down so that you don't get the complications from having the high blood sugars. But, you know, the amputations and, you know, the things from years ago, I have not seen that much at all in, in my practice. And I don't think it's it's as common because we have more understanding of screening and, you know, treating diabetes. And, and we have so many more options these days than just the insulin, you know, that we had 20 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that. We've got these a broad array of, of choices of, um, you know, pills and injections and monitoring and all sorts of things that are really, you know, it's, it's a totally different experience these days. And as a primary care provider, we, I, I see diabetes every day and I, you know, feel very comfortable managing it, treating it. You know, there are some people who we do send to the specialists, which are called endocrinologists and they specialize in diabetes management for people who are not able to control their sugars we send them on to the endocrinologist for typically for type one diabetics who often have an insulin pump or, you know, just kind of need more intensive insulin treatment and management. Usually we will send those to the endocrinologist as well. So I probably deal with, I don't know, 85, 90% of, of my patients with diabetes. And then that 10 to 15% that are difficult to control or with type one might do refer on to my endocrinologist colleagues. And doctor, if someone has concerns about prevention or their existing diabetes, who should they turn to? Where should they start? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a bias as a primary care provider that things should start with the primary care provider. And I'll, I'll readily admit that, but I think that is a great place to start. You know, and if you don't have a primary care provider, please look up in your area. We have a wonderful primary care division with family physicians, internists, pediatricians, large choice of different primary care providers. That's, I think, the best place to start. 
you know, if you're not satisfied with your diabetes care, you know, if you're concerned about diabetes, if you have symptoms that you're worried about, go see your primary care provider. That's that's what we do. And again, a lot of people just need either reassurance that they don't have an issue like diabetes or need education about, okay, yeah, this is in the pre-diabetes level, you know, we need to work on this so that it doesn't advance and put your health at risk for potential complications. But we have great resources, got nutritionists we can refer to, exercise recommendations, we have endocrinologists if needed, monitoring. If you do have diabetes, keeping on top of, you know, getting an annual eye exam is very important to check for early damage in the eye and and other screenings and things that we perform as, as primary care providers. There's lots of things to monitor, but we're well-versed in, in what to do, and, and I think that we do it very well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really gratifying to have those patients who are doing really well with their regimens. And again, with these newer agents, it's, it's really helped quite a bit to get people under control who previously had issues with having their blood sugars run high. So it's an exciting time, and there's lots of options. And yeah, I would just encourage people to definitely get screened. We've got people who come in. Often, you know, I haven't been to a doctor in 15, 20 years, you know, I just wanted to stay away. And it, sometimes it can be scary, but, you know, we definitely try not to be scary and, and good just to come in for that physical. And the the fear of the unknown is sometimes greater than actually just getting in and getting checked. And it's just a really important part of staying healthy and, and doing everything you can to, you know, live your best and healthiest life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Thurman, for this information and for the care you provide here at Evergreen Health. By taking care of yourself each and every day, you can manage your diabetes and live your healthiest best. Visit evergreenhealth.com primary care physician to find a primary care provider that's right for you. This has been Checkup Chat with Evergreen Health. I'm Caitlin White. Stay well. <laughs>